1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. Well, this evening we're going to pick up right where we left off last Wednesday evening, Colossians 3, beginning in verse 16. And we're dealing with faith and prayer, and as we've learned, fellowship with God through his word and time spent in prayer, those are the two things that feed our faith. Fellowship with our Heavenly Father through His Word and time spent in prayer. And we learn that Christians often have weak faith because they're not spending time with the Lord and they're not spending time in the Word. And that is a daily discipline. But what better time than at the beginning of the new year to set the time aside, to be more consistent, to be more faithful in your time with the Lord in prayer and your time spent in the Word of God. And as we often say, just have to get started. And based on your schedule, you have to set aside a time that is going to work for you, that you can do faithfully, you can do consistently. And don't start with some crazy time that's not reasonable. You might start with 10 minutes in prayer and 10 minutes reading the Word of God. And then over time, as you're faithful and consistent, 20 minutes in prayer, 20 minutes reading and studying the Word of God. Or maybe you pray in the morning before you get ready, and then if you have a lunch break where you have a quiet place you can read, you read, you do your reading and you're studying, you're meditating on the Word of God during your lunch break. Based on your life, your schedule, you have to find what works for you. And then be faithful, be consistent. And as you do that, that time with the Lord, it'll yield great fruit in your life. Colossians 3, beginning in verse 16, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. We could say, abundantly. That, that's not just a little bit. That is more than enough. And in the days in which we're living, we need more word, not less word. And you know, what if the last two years we could take all of our Netflix time and all of our social media time and all of our wasted phone conversation time, whatever it is, all of our uh, not so wisely used time and instead exchange that for time spent in the word or time spent in prayer. And of course, there is a time, there is a place for entertainment, there is a time, a place for unwinding, but the Word of God ought to come first. Time with the Lord, and time in His Word, and time in prayer, it ought to come first. And again, you have to find what works for you. A few Wednesday nights ago, a man in the church during the service, he was looking up the passage on his iPhone and clicked the wrong button, and his iPhone started, started reading the Bible passage. Well, if you spend a lot of time in your car or on the road, you, you can use that and be listening to the Word of God as you're, doing, you're going to appointments or you're making your commute to use your time more effectively. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And, and think about all the time that we have. And, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a reason, there's a time, there's a place to be informed but uh, time spent in the Word and time spent with the Lord in prayer, that is the most effective, that is the most productive time. I used to listen to 
talk radio a lot. That's not very productive. That's not very effective use of time. You know, even here locally, the local conservative talk radio guy that everybody thought was conservative in the last two years, he's revealed himself to be totally wrong on COVID. And even though he's a born-again Christian, even though he goes to a conservative church, he's come down on the side of authoritarianism and tyranny, believing that companies ought to make people do this and that, and if not, people ought to lose their jobs. That's not conservative. So I don't need to fill my spirit up with that or his opinions on other things. My time listening to worship and worshiping the Lord is more productive. My time listening to faith-filled sermons is more productive. My time just being quiet and listening to the Lord and what he would have me do or what he would instruct me to do, that's more effective and more productive. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And we all have the time. And I'm not saying you have to completely give up uh, your unwinding time. What I'm saying is the Lord should come first. Time and prayer should come first. Time spent in the Word should come first. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. And you, if you have a family, you set the pattern for your family. You know, just a few days ago, Samuel, the evening before, in the evening told me, he said, Dad, he's like, when we go to school tomorrow, I want to listen to nothing but the blood of Jesus on the way to school. Well, see, he wouldn't even think like that unless we listened to worship music on the way to school. And unless they had been exposed through church, through class, through St. Paul's, through what we're doing in our house, in our cars, unless they had been exposed to worship music. And so he was making a request. I want to listen to nothing but the blood of Jesus on the way to school. And then they loved that album because the song after that is Look What the Lord Has Done. And somebody might think, well, that, that, that's old-fashioned, or I only do church on Sundays, or I only do church on Sundays every two weeks or every three weeks. Well, there's your problem. See, you've got to come to the place where you're spending time with the Lord all the time. And you're looking forward to spending time with the Lord all the time. And you're putting the Lord first, not just on Sunday, but on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and every day of the week. In your family life, build in and integrate the reading of God's Word. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Deuteronomy 6, beginning in verse 5, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames, the door frames of your houses and on your gates. You know, there are families in the church that have homes under construction. I love to see when photos get shared on social media of scripture verses being written on the framing or on the foundation. It's so wonderful. And so we're to have the word of God in our hearts. And we're to be talking about the word of God all the time with our children. Now, very briefly, I'm going to just share what we do. And I'm not telling anybody that you have to do what we do. I'm just sharing what we do. 
As a child, you've heard Pastor rehearse how as a child he would read the Psalms at night to help him sleep. Pastor always encouraged Christine and I to read the proverb for the day. And of course, we would encourage you to do the same. And it's in the, the daily Bible reading. And you've heard Pastor say that he really emphasized that in our junior high and high school years and going forward when he thought we were making some unwise choices. Now, growing up, my parents would read the Bible story series to Christina and I most nights. And uh, Christina doesn't have this because I snagged this from my parents' house, and it is at my house. So she got to get her own. And you might say, how old are you, Austin? I'm old enough to remember going to the doctor's office, and they would have volume one of this series, and you could open it up, and there'd be a stack of cards at the front or back, and you could order a set for your family. Those days are gone. But I knew I would get asked, and I, I looked online before this evening. You can still get sets off of Amazon or off of eBay. Uh, with little children, sometimes things do get damaged or they go missing. And I, I've had to replace one of these, and I got a good brand new, like new replacement copy off eBay. Um, but growing up, my parents would read typically a story or two out of this each night to Christine and I, and we do the same. Now, again, don't get into guilt and condemnation. Wednesday night after church, it's jammies on, brush your teeth, in bed immediately. And we're going to pray, close your eyes, go to sleep as quickly as possible. Amen. And with sports and all of that, there, there are nights that are late nights. We just pray. So don't get into guilt and condemnation. But that's, that's a series from the 1950s. And it's very conservative, even in the illustrations and the King James language. And uh, the only thing I, I would point out, Tiff Shuttlesworth could say that the eschatology could be a little bit better, but it's fine, amen. You just work your way around that, explain some things. That's why you're supposed to be in the Word knowing what you're talking about to your children, amen. But the illustrations, the text, it's very much like watching the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, but it's the entire Bible. And so we, we work our way one volume to the next, then we start over, and now Sophie and Michaela, they take turns reading to the little ones, and I take turns telling the others to sit still. Amen. But again, building the Word of God into our family time. Our children have their own Bibles. Many nights in the, the girls' room, Sophie and Michaela will read their Bibles in the room. Of course, Samuel wanted a blue one for Christmas, so he was excited to get a blue Bible. And that is the New International Reader's Version, which is a simplified version of the NIV that makes it easier for a child to read. But it's pretty much the biblical text, just smoothed over a little bit, make it easy to read. But he, he reads that by himself in his room. Also, you've heard Pastor mention that he's marking up Bibles and giving to the grandchildren. Samuel got his at Christmas. And we also read the Bible together as a family. And there's a picture of the kids with the Cambridge Illustrated Family Bible. So you have to build the reading of the Word of God into your family. You have to set the pattern, and that's setting the time aside, that's taking the responsibility, and that's doing it and being faithful and consistent. But in doing that, you're modeling that the Word of God is important. We open our Bibles not just on Sunday. We open our Bibles during the week. See, the children need to see that and be exposed to that. You know, when they, they wake up in the morning, and sometimes it's a race to be up earlier than them, to spend time with the Lord. 
But when they, they wake up in the morning, and it's good for them to see me walking the house. It's good for them to see me praying. And then even when they, they were younger, you know, Dad, you know, you're, you're not praying in English. What are you saying? See, it's good those questions are being asked. It's good that they're hearing an explanation from the Word of God. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the Word of Christ dwell in your family richly. Let the Word of Christ dwell in your home richly. Colossians 3, 16 and 17, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. See, whatever you model, they're going to embrace. Whatever you model, they're going to imitate. But whatever you don't do, they're probably going to do less. And that's why, of course, it's greatly alarming when a family has a pattern of not putting God first on Sundays. Because the question is, what are the children going to do? You know, if mom and dad are just in church once or twice every month or once or twice every other month, well, what is going to be the pattern of the children? And if mom and dad don't pray, if mom and dad don't spend time in the Word, if mom and dad don't crack their Bible open, what's going to be the pattern of the children? And of course, they can have a Damascus Road experience like Saul. Lord can get a hold of them, do great things, amen. Uh, but that's, that's, that's a little risky. Better thing to do is to set the right pattern and not leave anything to chance or hope so or maybe. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word dwelling in you richly will produce vibrant fellowship with our Heavenly Father. The word dwelling in you richly will produce good fruit in every area of your life. The word dwelling in you richly will help you make better, wiser decisions. The word dwelling in you richly will help you to better hear the Holy Spirit. To hear his still small voice when he says, Don't take that call, don't respond to that message. Don't waste your time on this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Remember, as Paul wrote to Timothy, godliness is profitable. Godliness pays. And time spent with the Lord, it pays. Time spent in the word, it pays great dividends. Fellowship rooted and established in the word, it will produce love and every fruit of righteousness. And faith cannot grow rich in any other soil. A rich prayer life requires fellowship with our Heavenly Father. You just, you just cannot escape it. We have to spend time with Him, and we have to spend time in the Word. To enjoy all that is yours, you have to live a life of fellowship. And that's why in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17, the Apostle Paul said, pray without ceasing. That, that, that's all the time. And, it, and if we can have our phone with us all the time, why can't we pray all the time? If we can check our notifications all the time, why can't we pray all the time? If, we, if we, can, we can check the latest updates, why can't we pray all the time? Pray without ceasing. Ephesians 6 and verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions. You know, look, don't feel bad. Things are weird out there, if you haven't noticed. Things are, like, really weird out there. And so if you're, you're quietly praying to yourself, at lunch, at the birthday party, 
you're, you're the least weird thing going on in 2022. Amen. Amen. Can you even put a mask on and then nobody knows what you're doing or saying. I'm kidding. Pray in the Spirit on how many occasions? All occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keep on praying for all the saints. So we're, we're to be praying all the time. We are to live a life of fellowship. And that's one of the great benefits of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that is to pray without ceasing. To pray all the time. To have the ability to pray. And to pray as the Holy Spirit would have us pray. And to help us to pray at any time. And as Paul tells us in Romans 8, the Holy Spirit helps us pray. And so that's a great benefit of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in your car, on the way to work, on your way home, running errands, making appointments, walking down the hallway, getting in the elevator, riding the elevator, whatever it is you're doing, pray at all times. Pray without ceasing. And if you read about Smith Wigglesworth's life, that, that's the life he lived. He would, of course, spend time with the Lord a set time, but then as he went about his daily activities, he would just pray as he went. And he would pray in the Spirit as he, he went. And he might say, you know, Austin, you know, somebody, somebody might hear me. Somebody might think this or think that. Again, we, you're the least weird thing going on in 2022. Amen. Don't worry about it. Amen. Don't worry about it. And again, pray quietly to yourself. Don't have to shout. Don't have to scream. God's not deaf. You don't get better results the louder you are. Don't have to make a show of it but time with the Lord as you go, where you go. And as we've learned, you might say, Austin, I, I feel like I, I'm afraid to spend time with the Lord. If your fellowship is broken, you know, what it, you know what to do to have it restored. Confess whatever the issue is. Confess whatever the sin is. Repent of it. Make it right. And don't stay in the dark. Walk in the light. Psalm 119, 105. His word is a lamp to our feet and a light for our path. And so you've got to get in the Word and let the Word illuminate your life and your choices and your decisions and what you have going on. His Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Jesus was our substitute, and He defeated Satan, and that defeat is eternal. It is permanent. So what we have to do is walk in the reality of that. Christ's victory is our victory. And so we are masters of demons. We are masters of every work of Satan. We have authority and dominion in his name. So we have to walk in it. We ought to say what the word says. We ought to pray what the word says. And Satan has to recognize the authority that has been delegated to us. In the book of Acts, there were seven young men. They were the sons of a Jewish religious leader. They, they weren't born again. And so they thought that if they could just say the right words, they could cast out devils like the apostle Paul. But the devil responded, said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? Well, well, if you're born again, you have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelling on the inside of you. And his authority has been delegated to you. So you can say what the word says. You can speak and you can command and you can pray and you can exhort and you can encourage in the name of Jesus. And Satan and every circumstance and every work of the enemy has to submit and bow the knee. Christ's authority, it is now our 
authority. And far too often, we're, we're, we're trying to believe God. We're trying to get enough faith. And you have to watch falling into that pattern because it's very dangerous, it's very destructive, it'll rob you of your faith. Well, for God to hear me, I've got to read my Bible so many hours. For God to hear me, I've got to spend so many hours in prayer. Time spent with the Lord is important. Time spent in his word is important. And faith cometh by hearing. So we're in church on Sunday. We're in church on Wednesday. And throughout the week where we're hearing the word of God. But it's so easy to fall into the wrong pattern. Well, if I do this and if I do that, then I'll have faith. If I do this, then I do that, then God will hear me. If I do this, then I'll do that, God will answer me. You've got to come to the place where you realize the work is done. The work is finished. And all of these blessings and promises and benefits have been made available to you. So what you have to do is believe God. What you have to do is stand on the word of God. What you have to do is say what the word says and act like it is so. And again, spend more time in prayer and more time in the word, but don't get into guilt and condemnation while you're doing it. It's so important. Far too often we're trying to believe God and we're trying to do this and trying to do that and trying to have more faith. Now, people get into that bad habit and then they get into the habit or pattern where they're, they're having hands laid upon them for more, more faith. Faith never tries. Real Bible faith never tries. Faith just does. Faith obeys. Faith takes action. Faith just acts like the word is so because it is. Faith just acts like the word is true because it is. And yes, we can always spend more time with our Heavenly Father. And it's wonderful. We can always spend more time reading the Word of God. But at some point, you got to go to work. At some point, you just got to walk into your child's room and say, in the name of Jesus, be healed. So there, there's a balance. So faith does. Faith obeys. Faith acts like the Word is so. So you got to stop trying and just do got to stop trying and just begin living it out. you got to take your place in Christ. And as you do that, don't, don't permit any work of the enemy in your life. Don't tolerate any work of the enemy in your life. We're to live like Jesus. Look at Acts 10 and verse 38. Acts 10, 38. This is Peter at Cornelius' house, and he's telling them about Jesus. Acts 10, 38 records how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all. He went around doing good and healing all. Well, Austin, I don't know about the will of God. Jesus went around doing good and healing how many? All. Austin, I'm not, I'm not sure if it's God's will to heal me. Jesus went around doing good and healing. All. Well, Austin, I'm not sure if it's God's will to heal this. Jesus went around doing good and healing how many? All. all. He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with them. And friend, God is with you. If you're born again, God is with you. His spirit is with you. He is with you. We are not alone. Jesus said in Matthew 28 and verse 20, he said, I am with you always to the very end of the age. He's with us. He's for us. So what are we to do? We're to do good and we're to destroy the devil's works. We're to do good 
We're to enforce the Word of God in our life, in our circumstances, and when people mention to us this challenge, that challenge, this sickness, that sickness, this disease, that disease, we're to tell them what the Word says. Well, I know Jesus. And Jesus, the Bible says, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And He still heals today. And whether it's Delta or Omicron or whatever they're going to call the next variant, He heals that too. He's still doing good. He's still doing all. And He does that through who? Through us, through His body, through the body of Christ. So we're to do what He did. We're to live like Him. 1 John 3, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. And of course, we often call John 10.10 10, the dividing line of the Bible. What's, what's the devil's work? Stealing, killing, and destroying. And that, of course, includes sin and sinful things. That, of course, includes sickness and disease and infirmity. So you got to be clear on that, that that's the work of the enemy. And what did Jesus do? He destroyed whose works? The devil's works. So we're to do good, like Jesus, we're to heal all, and we're to destroy the devil's works. We're to live like him. And to do that, we've just got to act like the word is so. And of course, I'm challenging you, spend more time with the Lord. Spend more time in prayer. Spend more time in the word. But again, there, there comes a point. You just have to get in the car and go to work. You just have to walk in the child's room and pray the prayer of faith. And you might say, Austin, I, I got to try and work up to a certain point of faith. It's not the way it works. We just act like the word is so. And again, time with the Lord and time in prayer is important. You know, on the occasion, the disciples failed to cast a devil out of a child. Jesus said, this kind cometh out not but by prayer and fasting. And so... The implication to them was that they've got to spend more quality time with the Lord. You read the Gospels. Jesus would often go off by himself early in the morning, late at night. And if, and if he had to spend time with his Heavenly Father, why would we think we don't have to spend time with our Heavenly Father? So again, there's a balance. We don't get, we know that we're to spend time with the Lord. We're to spend time in prayer. We're to spend time in the Word. We don't get into guilt and condemnation. But our Heavenly Father, he enforces on the basis not of our work, but on the basis of Christ's work on our behalf. And it is done. It is finished. So stop trying to believe God and stop trying to exercise faith and just do it. And know that our Heavenly Father, He's performing His word on the basis of what Christ did. Because you and I cannot do it. He answers prayer and He performs his word on the basis of what Christ did. So we have to take our place. Got to act like the sons and daughters of God. We've got to speak like the sons and daughters of God. And his word will not fail us. The name of Jesus will not fail us. We are victors in Christ. 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 14. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession. That is what the Christian life is. That's what the Christian life should look like. Triumphal procession procession. So you got to line up what you're saying in your confession with that faith fact. Romans 8 and verse 37, and all these things. And how many things? So we're overcoming. I just did a short post this week and I got a Facebook message. Can you please explain what you mean by if you're overcoming? 
Whatever the circumstances are, there are things in life to be overcome. But in all these things, in everything, could be financial, could be on the job at work, could be in the marriage, could be in the family, could be with the children, could be something you're facing in your physical body. In all these things, what does Paul say? In all these things, we are more than conquerors. So we're the winner. We're the victor. We're the overcomer. We have the victory. So you got to act like it. You know, it's, it's great coming and watching all the kids' games. You know, and when they, they lose, they act a certain way after the game. They have to be encouraged by the coach and by mom and dad. But when they win, they act like it. So part, part of faith is you got to just act like the word is so. And you're, you're a winner in Christ Jesus. You're a victor in Christ Jesus. You're an overcomer in Christ Jesus. And our Heavenly Father, He is bringing His word to pass on our behalf. So you got to act like it, which requires you got to have the joy of the Lord. You got to be happy, got to be thankful, got to be grateful. Can't be coming to church and scowling at people. <laughs> or act happy with some people and sad with other people. And then every, the rest of us are like, are they happy? Are they sad? What's going on? <laughs> you have to act like the word is so. He always leads us in triumphal procession. And all these things we are more than conquerors. Psalm 84 and verse 7 says that they go, the people of God go from strength to strength. Say, I'm walking from strength to strength. Walking from strength, to strength. Say, I'm walking from victory to victory. Walking from victory, to victory. Say, I'm walking in triumphal procession. Walking in, procession. in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God, he gives us the victory. Say, I have the victory. I have the victory. Now, you may not at this moment, in this circumstance, have the victory, but in Christ Jesus, you have the victory. And the Word of God says you have the victory. And so you have to act like the Word is so, and say what the Word says, and pray what the Word says, and confess what the Word says, until your circumstances change to line up with the Word of God. Say, say I have the victory. Say, I have the victory in my home. Say, I have the victory in my family. Say, I have the victory in my body. Say, I have the victory at work. Say, I have the victory in my finances. Say, I have the victory. And again, if, if we're, we're the winners, if we get the prize, if we get the trophy, we ought to be happy. We ought to be joyful. We ought to rejoice. We ought to have a good report. How's it going? Wonderful. Great. Oh, okay. You know, there, there are believers and they come to a faith church, but they're, they're as negative as Charlie Brown. You're like, what's Charlie Brown? <laughs> Sometimes I tease, tease Jessica and say, they're so negative. But a thousand Joel Osteen sermons would fix their problem. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we have the victory, you got to act like it. You've got you to pray like it. And then you've got to pray or confess or say, knowing the word is true, the word is coming to pass, our Heavenly Father is backing up His word on your behalf, performing it on your behalf. And so when you pray for your husband or wife, or you pray for yourself, or you pray for a child that's overcoming, sickness is going. The symptoms are leaving. They are getting better. They are walking in health. 
got to act like the word is so. Faith doesn't try. Faith does. Faith obeys. Faith obeys. Faith acts like the word is so. In Acts 17, 28, it says, In him we live and move and have our being. And that's what this life of fellowship is. In him we live and we move and have our being. And that, that's a daily thing. That's an everyday thing. Prayer is a call to fellowship with Father God and to love him as he loves us. And if we love him, aren't we going to spend time with him? If we love him, aren't we going to talk to him? If we love him, aren't we going to open his word and spend time in his word? In the first three chapters of Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, we learn about Christ's substitutionary work on our behalf. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians 1, beginning in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. And notice that's past tense. He has blessed us. And again, and if you're blessed, you ought to be happy. You ought to be joyful. You ought to act like it. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now look down at verse 18. Paul prays that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know the hope, what is the hope of his calling, and the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. And that's, that's you and me. You know, Kenneth Hagin would often talk about how praying Paul's Ephesian prayers changed his life. He was pastoring in Texas. In the afternoons, he would spend extra time in prayer. And one of the things that he would pray are Paul's Ephesian prayers in Ephesians chapter 1 and Ephesians chapter 3. And you can personalize those and pray those over your own life. They're also in pastor's book of prayer. And parts of them are in the, the daily confession booklet. Ephesians 1 verse 15. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so you may know him better. And you can personalize that. You can say, Heavenly Father, I ask that you, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, our glorious Father, that you would give me or my family or my, my husband or my wife or my children or our our church family, our school family, that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation so we would know you better. So it works great to pray it for you. Amen? But pray it for your husband or wife too. Pray it for your family. Pray it for your children. Pray it for our church family. Amen? Because we, we need it. And so this works great to pray and personalize. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you in order that you may know. And sadly, there are believers and they don't know that the right, they don't know the rights that belong to them in Christ. They don't know all they possess in Christ. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for those who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one, the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him 
who fills everything in every way. So if you look at verse 19, you see Paul writes, that power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also one to come. So that same ability, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that same power, that same ability, it resides in you. It's at work in you. It's at work in your life. It's at work in your spirit. So you got to act like it. Got to pray like it. Got to confess like it. Got to talk like it. And this, this can be hard for our mind to comprehend. But if we're not spending time in the word in prayer, this can be hard even for our spirit to comprehend. The same resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead, it indwells us. And we, we get it in our minds. Well, that, that resurrection power, that might indwell minister so-and-so. But surely not, not me, Lord. But we're all a part of the body of Christ. And so what Paul says here about Christ and what he did on our behalf and the reality of who we are in Christ, it is true of every believer. But you have to see it in the Word of God. You have to believe it. You have to act like it's so, and you have to walk in it. The same resurrection power that raised Christ from the dead, it is at work in you, in your life, in your body, in your home, in your family right now. And so that, that you might have to encourage yourself with that. Get off the bed of affliction. Why? The same power that raised Christ from the dead, it is at work in you. Romans 8, 11. But if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Say this, say, he is quickening my physical mortal body. So you're getting stronger, not getting weaker, getting smarter, getting wiser, not getting dumber. Amen. Getting healthier. He, say it again. Say, he is quickening my physical mortal body. You know, we, we can go out strong. We can go out healthy. As pastor says, we can, we can go out knowing who we are and know, knowing who our family is. He is quickening our physical, mortal body. Philippians 2, beginning in verse 9. Therefore God exalted Christ to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So we have been raised together with him, and we're seated together with him in the heavenly realms at the right hand of the Father. And if you notice, this is in the confession we make every Sunday before the message. And somebody might say, well, I'm not sure about that. You know, what, what's with those words? And I, I don't know if I feel comfortable saying all that. It, it's right out of the New Testament. So if somebody doesn't feel comfortable with that, they don't feel comfortable with the New Testament. They don't feel comfortable with the Apostle Paul. They don't feel comfortable with who they are in Christ. We've been raised together with him. We're seated together with him in the heavenly realms. Hebrews 10, beginning in verse 12. Jesus, our high priest, offered one sacrifice for sins for all time. Then he sat down at the right hand of God. And the sitting down 
that conveys the work is done. The work is finished. He sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be put under his control. By that one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Now, when we've taught on this previously, we've explained that our sanctification is a finished work, but it is also an ongoing work. It says he has made perfect forever. We, we have been justified. And so we have been brought into right standing with God through Christ. But notice our sanctification is also ongoing, and we are being made holy. Say this, say, I have been made perfect forever. And say, I am being made holy. Say, say it again. Say, I've been made perfect forever, and I'm being made holy. Now, that's the work in progress we're to be in Christ. Not, not an excuse mechanism to just keep doing our own thing in rebellion, in ongoing sin. Well, I'm just a work in progress. You are a disaster going somewhere to happen. Stop using that as an excuse. We have been made perfect forever, and we are being made holy, which means we are making progress. Progress can be seen. Progress can be measured. We're, we're, we're a part of the vine of salvation, so we're bearing good fruit. We're bearing the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Romans eight thirty four. who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So who is he that condemns? Well, that, that's Satan. That's the enemy. You got to ignore him. Got to tune him out. Got to rebuke him. Got to respond to him like Jesus did with the word. And who is our advocate? Who is our intercessor? Who is our defense? It is Jesus. And it, Paul tells us that he is always interceding for us. Ephesians 2 and verse 6 and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3 and verse 1, we'll end with this. Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above. You know, the world is crazy. The world is full of darkness. The world is getting darker. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be when the Son of Man returns. It's going to get darker. It's going to get more wicked. It's going to get more perverse. So what do we do in these days? Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. And we'll end where we began. Set your hearts on things above. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You know, it's easy to get mired down in all that's going on in the world. Set your hearts on things above. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Well, Austin, there's this and there, there's that and, you know, so-and-so could be the Antichrist. In all of that, set your hearts on things above. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Time with the Lord in prayer. Time in his word. Because why? Our redemption draweth nigh. Set your heart on things above. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Because no matter what goes on in the world, and no matter what the world may try to do or do to us, it is setting our hearts on things above and letting the word of Christ dwell in us richly that will give us the backbone to live for God. Amen. To walk as those who have been made perfect forever and who are being made holy. 
It's what will give us the backbone to stand for what's right. And to speak the truth. And to speak the truth in love. And to not compromise. And to raise our children and families to live for the Lord in the days in which we're living. Set your heart on things above. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Amen. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.